G'day everyone, I'm Kyle Zanetto from Zanetto Builders in Tasmania, the little island below Australia. And I'd like to welcome you to the Contracting Handbook Podcast by Mike Kanoki. Are you still bags on or are you just the boss? I think that we're finding that the, the more the spec home end of the market where people were struggling to get the capacity loan that they required has slowed off, but the, the custom home builders and the people that are building with cash which are our ideal clients, um, only looking to build something nice for themselves. So these clients, 90% of the time, they don't understand building, and they right. don't they don't expect additional costs. I go, all right, here's a here's a house quote for this. Um, why am I getting extra um, invoices throughout the build for things that I thought were included? So, how does landscape and topography influence your design? That's a good question. Uh, most of the time, a lead time will be one to two years minimum. When you say that, you mean your clients are on a waiting list for two years? Where do we want to spend this extra 5%? Do we want to spend it on filtered air in our home? We want a healthy, habitable space for our family. Yeah. So that's that's our job in the preliminary stage to educate them. Are Tazis to Oz <laughs> as Alaskans are to the US? All right, everybody, welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. My next guest is a passive house luxury custom home builder. That's a statement. With too many awards for me to count, he's clearly a residential industry leader in Tasmania where he builds. Please welcome Kyle Zanetto of Zanetto Builders. Morning, Mike. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad we could get together on from opposite ends of the world. <laughs> Yeah, the time difference is good, but no, definitely looking forward to this one. So I read on the Zanetto Builders website, it says you are perfectionistic. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I've got to. Um, is, is, do you believe perfection is achievable? Um, I don't think perfection is achievable. I think it's something that we all strive for. But when it comes to building, there's a certain standard that we we draw the line so right, that's the standard we're going for and this is what we're mm -hmm. going to accept and anything mm -hmm. below that line um is not accepted within our company i think that obviously every company draws that line in a different spot and we're going to try and set that bar as high as possible for our team to achieve um and that's a reflection of what our what our goals and what our vision for our company is i guess well you set me up for a perfect segue into my next question um, so I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead in terms of this whole, what your company is, but, um, you know, energy efficiency is in vogue for the most part all over the world, but it's not for everyone. Um, in particular, luxury homes that make building science applications more challenging because of design. Um, so you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of form before function issues or things that could happen. Um, so is it a deal breaker for Zanetto builders if the potential client doesn't want passive house standards or high performance standards? No, definitely not. So we, um, we're a firm believer in building to a, a good standard of home. So a high standard of home, but not necessarily a passive house standard. So the mm -hmm. minimum standard we've set for ourselves includes details of passive, passive house. Um, mm -hmm. and obviously all the ventilated cavities and the WRB systems we use. Um, but what our goal is, is to ensure that the house itself is built to a standard that we're happy to walk away from. We know it's going to sit there for 50 to 100 years. Um, but the principles of passive house with the fresh air ventilation and all that kind of stuff, that's not something that the everyday customer is going to want. Like we might find we get one customer a year that wants to go down that road. Mm -hmm. um, and to, to our other clients, it's got to be about, I guess, getting to know them and understanding what they value. Most mm -hmm. of our clients won't, I suppose, lead towards that space where the, their, their values lie in going to a certified passive house. It's going to be all right. We're in a house that's visually appealing, but performs well enough that we're comfortable living in it. That makes sense. You do the, you do the best you can with what you've got. And 
and, and meet those challenges. And your 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 the, your zone of living isn't that extreme either. I checked it out. No, nah, it's not too bad. Not, pretty, not pretty, temp- pretty, pretty temperate. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very extreme here, but um, yeah, I think one of the um the big issues in Tasmania is condensation and moisture management. So that's pretty well why we've adopted a minimum standard with what we're doing for our WRB, our, our mm. watertight layer and getting our ventilated cavities and ventilated um, roof system in place. So we're trying to obviously mitigate that due to the issues that the industry's seen in our local area of late. How many clients a year are you guys taking on? Uh, it's hard to say, depending on the size of projects. So we're probably looking to build eight, eight to ten homes a year at the moment. Obviously, we're starting to push into the, the larger home model. So most of our builds are going to be pushed around that 12 to 14 month mark. So that might drop back to five or six homes a year. Uh, but that's that's pretty well where we're sitting at the moment for a team of, yeah, I think we've got about 14 of us at the minute. So 14 and then a small army of subcontractors. Of pretty well so we've got yeah we've got 12 direct um carpenters on site and we've got obviously mm-hmm. myself and my general manager in the office and we we run a virtual administrator so i've got a va from the philippines who does all our administration and then my partner helps out with a business development side of things uh, systems and mm-hmm. processes and printing everything up which i'm not an expert at you got to delegate right that's gotta... it something i've learned in the last 12 months yeah yeah, you can't do it all, and there's def- there's always someone who's better at. You got to go for what you're good at. That's exactly right. Okay, so let's step let's step into the beginning of this process. You're doing, you said twelve to fourteen this year, or eight to ten. Um, yeah, we're we'll probably knocking out about eight. I reckon this year we've got a couple larger scale projects starting, so it'll, it'll reduce the number. Okay, I noted on your. I noted too that you guys have an application process, um, on online. Is that a requirement? Can they or can they call you and talk to you, or do they just have to fill out the app first? <laughs> nah, that's that's probably been the biggest um, game change within my business over the last six to twelve months. Is having a very particular client qualified process in place. Um, what I found over the first four or five years of business that. Most of my headaches came through, firstly, accepting the wrong clients for the business model. And secondly, not educating them through that qualified process to ensure that they were the right fit for us and we were the right fit for them. This application process is like a, like a client firewall. Yeah, it's almost like a screening process. So we've obviously got, we've got a certain set questions in there which will identify what their values are if they're looking um, to get prices from other builders, which is something that we walk away from straight away because no two builders are comparable on price and value. Um, we also ask them the hard questions on their financials too, due to the current climate, I guess. And I guess the same over there, but the banks and the lending's tightened up a lot. So we're working with clients that are a lot more cash funded to ensure that the project success is successful. Um, what we're finding when interest rates went up, all these people had these beautiful homes designed, came in with this expectation that the home they had drawn up was going to cost a certain figure based on what the architect had told them, which is it's never the case. So we've kind of built our process um, to ensure that the people that we accept through the door, the likelihood of their project is going to go ahead is quite high. Yeah. um that's that's got to be nice but it's also it's interesting that you have um such a large group of clients in in these times i i mean i guess it's not i i feel like in the current economic situation in the world things should be cooling off but they they don't seem to be cooling off here at all what about you uh, clearly not you guys are busy nah, look, to be honest we're coming Oh, probably had a bit of a crisis within the industry, but we're as busy as ever and we're getting more high quality leads than ever over the last couple of months. So I think that we're finding mm-hmm. that the the more the spec home end of the market where people were struggling to get the capacity loan that they required has slowed off, but the, the custom home builders and the people that are building with cash, which are our ideal clients, um, are always going to be profitable and making money and looking to build something nice for themselves. So 
yeah, it's definitely been no slow um, for that in the market down here. Yeah, that's nice. Cash clients are definitely easier to work with. Yeah. You just, they're not as stressed out. They're not as stressed out, but they've also they're got not. cash for a reason. So they, they understand where their costs are right. going, but um, they, right. they come to us because they value our expertise in the field. And we've got to build that trust and rapport with them early on in the relationship in that, that relationship building stage um, to ensure that all right, they're going to be the right person to work with us through this 12-month project. Because as you know, building a custom home is a, is a pretty time-consuming job, so relationships can be tested at times. So you've got to ensure that you get along with the clients on a personal basis as well as a business relationship. Yeah, yeah it's like dating. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I have more arguments sometimes than with me misses. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you want to be done after a month, but you got 11 to go. Yeah. So um, how how did you come into the field? How did you come into trades, into building? Yeah, it's a funny story, actually. Um, as Growing up, I probably never never really pictured myself being a builder. Um, I lived in the bush, so I was always out building cubbies and doing straw, weave roofs and muck around building spears and whatever kids do when they're young playing in the bush. But um, going through high school and college, I actually went and was going to do engineering. So went down that road. Um, I was working in the supermarket from just under 15 years of age, and I was actually there for 10 years. Kept, kept that job on the weekends while I was building. But yeah, I, think I got to 17, and there's a few builders that came in on a regular basis, and I thought, no, nah, I just want to get outside and get my hands on the tools because I, I love the physical work. And asked a builder for a job on a Sunday, and then the next day I started, and that's that's how the journey began. So you just started out laboring for a builder? Yeah, I think I did Doing two weeks worth of labor just up the road from the supermarket I was working at and then got off an apprenticeship and there we go. Here we are. Cool. And that was in car the apprenticeship was in carpentry? Yeah, carpentry. So it was a, yeah. a small crew. So there was yeah, only the three of us. So um, spent two years, mm -hmm. two years with that um, company and then moved on to a little bit larger company and worked for an architectural builder who did some really great quality work. And then when did you found the current company? Yep. So I did two years with my first boss, um, went and did four years with my second in the architectural home sector. And then as soon as I was able to obviously complete my certificate four and get my own builder's license, that's when I started my own company, as soon as that threshold hit pretty well. Um, and that's it, just jumped out. Me and one of my best mates from high school, so I was just the two of us initially. So going around doing decks and just framing up homes for other builders. And then we got our first new home, which was, which was a nice small project. Um, and then the company just grew and grew, mainly by putting on, I suppose, friends to begin with. It was just mates in the industry because a lot of my mates are all tradies and chippies and that. So um, we just built, built a yeah. little brotherhood and it just grew from there organically. Yeah, it was the same for me when I started mine. I ended up hiring couple guys that had essentially taught me a lot when I was younger but they were the they were the right people for the job because they had all that experience too that I didn't and in, in built and in, working in so for so many different people in so many different houses in different eras so that was really helpful for me um and and then how old are you now uh, I've just turned 30 actually so just tipped over into the in the 30s in your thirties, those are pretty good. Forties are better. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Total uh, subject change here. How does how does landscape and topography influence your design? That's a good question. So, um, a little bit more about me. The last two homes that I've built for myself, I've actually designed. Um, I'm useless on computers, so everything I've designed is pencil sketch on grid paper. Um, so obviously I've probably just adapted through being in the industry and have a good vision of how a house should sit on a block to, to maximise the block, the house, the sun, the orientation, all that kind of stuff. So for me, it's kind of just a process of, all right, I'll turn up on site and I'll look at it and I can kind of picture and understand where and how the, how the house should sit um, and then it just goes through an evolving stage of sketches um, that just grow and evolve throughout the project till I get my floor plan nailed. And then even as we start the home, 
the amount of times I'll go into the houses and change them from my carpenters on site when I'm on there and it just just kind of evolves. I think that's custom home building. Your, your vision starts as something at the beginning and then it, and it just self-creates. You just gradually, gradually improve it. Okay, so those were your last two personal homes. But how does how, that go when your clients, when you're building for a client and you have a plan and there's already <laughs> money and people are being paid? And then like, hey, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, what's the change order process? Um, so obviously, we've got a couple of different models. So one, we obviously would prefer if our clients came to us pre-design so we can help them design the home. So that's our preferred method. So we'll provide a consultancy service for our expertise in design to obviously ensure that what the architects or designers come up with is going to match our values. Uh, but yeah, like you said, most of the time clients are going to apply to us with a finished set of drawings. Um, it's not something that we really have the ability to change. It's something we've just got to start the job and then tackle the issues as we go. So change orders, mm -hmm. oh, we'll find we'll get 50, 60, 70 variations um, in our custom homes, which as you know, chewed up a lot of time and we actually probably didn't used to tackle those situations too well. Um, I suppose in educating the clients early on on how a variation is managed. So what we do now to manage that is on our, in, or sorry, during our client onboarding process, we actually sit down and we do a bit of an educational session on things such as variations, um, cost plus items, extensions of time due to variations and sit down and really detail and get them to understand the process and how it goes. Um, but variation wise, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's definitely all about clear communication. The client's understanding that anything that varies from the project is going to occur an additional cost. Um, and what we're doing now is we're actually taking or we're, we're pricing the variation up. We're getting it electronically or digitally signed or accepted. And then we're taking a 50 percent deposit up front, and then fifty percent on completion. That's the kind of process we're running with at the moment. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, I, I think a lot of people could relate to dealing with those variations at the beginning and not having quite communicated. People don't understand what a big deal it is to make a change. Oh, definitely, and, right? and so. You can't assume yeah. like these clients. Ninety percent of the time, they don't understand building, and they don't they don't expect right. additional costs. I go, all right, here's a here's a house quote for this. Um, why am I getting extra um, invoices throughout the build for things that I thought were included? So, I think managing client expectations and educating them within that preliminary construction stage that's the key to ensuring a successful project. I think that's the key to being a successful contractor is expectation management from day one. Yeah. And I, you know, we, we learn a lot of those lessons the hard way, but <laughs> it's always trial by fire, mate. My whole career has been all right. Yeah. Yeah. Get a mistake. Write it yeah. down. How can we learn and improve? <laughs> yep. Write it down. No doubt. That's it. That's the key. Um, so our, our, how are your post COVID costs? shaping up you know the everything went way up for instance here lumber i just did a lumber order for a house and it's it's 45 percent less than last year for the same house where last year was 60 percent more than the previous year but everything else looks like it's staying up forever it feels like plumbing electrical mechanical it's all up yeah i think it's definitely the same here so um over the last two years we we had quite a difficult year with COVID. Obviously, we don't really do cost plus contracts. Um, so, unfortunately, we got locked into three, four pretty large mm. fixed price contracts, um, which we lost a considerable, amount of, considerable amount of money on because we we had no no ability to change our price. We were locked in. The client's finance was locked in, so we had to wear any price increases throughout those projects, which was Yikes. which was difficult. Um, and then obviously trying to maintain that relationship when you know you're walking out of a job with a large loss is another mental thing you've got to work with every day. Um, Price-wise now, I think the entire industry's wages have definitely gone up maybe 20, 25% since COVID. Um, materials, materials are the same. Materials have gone up. We've only seen a slight increase, oh, sorry, a slight decrease in things such as steel reinforcing. Um, but everything else is pretty well stayed stable. We haven't really seen much come down 
down this end of the woods. Yep, just just lumber's coming down here. That's it. So, it's curious. Are, are the, now, you're in Tasmania. It's it's more remote. It's not that remote, but it, do you do you struggle with materials procurement in general at all, or is it um, just like anywhere else? I suppose we don't struggle with procurement. We probably struggle with what we've actually got available. So, we do a lot of mm, research. Oh, okay, that was, next, <laughs> that was my next question. That's the big thing, I think. Like for what we what we can get. We can get it quite easily, but we obviously trying to model our business around a lot of what you're doing over in places where like you are in Germany and all that for the the caliber of homes that are being built um, is well above the co-built home in the Australian environment. So we're researching all these products that you can't actually get in Tasmania that are not certified. So we've kind of got to make do with what we've got. Um, and so supply for what we need is good enough. Like we don't have anything more than like usually a four to six week wait. That's pretty well it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have. I'm very limited. I didn't know how limited I was until I started hanging out on Instagram. And then I'm just like, oh, my, I, like, I can't I can't do what they do at all. It's just not possible. Yeah, that's I do the best I can. I still build to I still build to the best standard I can where I am. But, and that's what you've got to do. Like but, you've got to, you've got to do the best mm -hmm. with what you've got. Every different, I suppose, state's going to have a different building standard. So our job is to ensure that for where we are, we build the best home that we can for our customers. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I, I don't really have problems with what I need with my normal stuff. That's all that all that procurement stuff issues that were happening during COVID. That's all over. We can get whatever we need again, but, but yeah, no, no specialty tapes, no specialty sheathing. No, none of this stuff. No greenhouses here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like those panels and all that. We don't have yeah. it. Same here. <clears throat> um, so, uh, you're passive house certified. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you see Passive House going mainstream or do you, I mean, I kind of know what I know, but do you see it going mainstream or always being chosen by like specifically environmentally oriented clients? Yeah, no, I'd, to be honest, I never see it going mainstream just due to the, the build cost. Um, it's just out of reach for 99.9% .9 of customers. And for that 0.1%, their values have got to align with the style of construction as well. Um, I think our job as builders is to ensure that we're trying to build not only a, a well-structured built home, but a, a healthy environment for occupants. Mm -hmm. So I'm quite lucky. One of my project managers, Sean Buchanan, he's he's just highly educated in this space and absolutely loves it. Lives and breathes passive house and performance homes. So he's actually steered me in the direction of the high-performance homes. Um, and even he understands that, all right, this, this isn't going to be for everyone. This is going to be for that select few customers that come through the door that um, want to be environmentally friendly. They want to have a really healthy enclosure because they've got kids that have got allergies. Um, it's, it's a very niche market. And I think it's just about taking aspects of construction for passive house and implementing them into your standard built homes to make them perform and be healthier to occupy. Makes sense. Common sense building, really. Yeah. And and then I would say that I would add to that that just building a high performance home isn't that much more expensive than a normal home. Maybe five or six percent, but that's worth it. It's not the passive house, but <laughs> but you're giving some. You're giving. I mean, where I live, you're giving someone something that's miles apart from what's the existing inventory is, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think that the, um, deck, deck. the the lack of information in the industry and the understanding of what a performance house is, most of the clients that come through our door wouldn't understand. They've never heard of it. They just mm -hmm. walk in a house and think a house is a house. Mm -hmm. if it's got a, it's got a HVAC system. It's got a heat pump, it's heated, cooled. That's, that's it. It's done. That's, <laughs> that's, that's all there is. They, they don't know. So, Unless we educate them, we can't expect them to go, all right, we're, 
where do we want to spend this extra 5%? Do we want to spend it on using designer fixtures and finishings? Or are we going to go, all right, we want um, filtered air in our home. We want a healthy, habitable space for our family. So that's that's our job yeah. in the preliminary stage to educate them. Yeah, and if you don't do it now, you're gonna you're gonna retrofit, and it's gonna be thirty <laughs> percent. That's right. Yeah, it's always more expensive afterwards, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, an air handling system is is a requirement. You have to you have to move air if you're gonna have a tight home. Yeah, you have to you have to do it. Um. How do you cope with burnout? Sorry, can you please clarify burnout? We might be having a bit of a <laughs> oh, just, just uh, yeah, the, you know, burnout, I, I love the, I love the uh, when you when you're when the work is just getting to you when you're you're losing momentum. Yep, because it, inev- inevitably, as much as we love it, you hit the wall sometimes. Oh, definitely, mate. Um, 12 months ago, yeah, I had a pretty pretty dark streak in personal life and business where I actually used work as an escape from my personal life. So rather mm. than working the 60, 70, 80 hours on normally, I'd go to work for 100 hours just because I didn't want to face things back home. So burnout can be self-inflicted or it can be induced by your workload. So I think for me, it was all about learning how to manage it. So the big change in direction for me was, all right, I need a bit of help to understand what's going to mentally help me and help my business and those around me. So I actually got on board with a couple of builders coaches um, who are business coaches, but they're also mental and life coaches. So that opened up the door to me to say, all right, um, I'm not the best at everything in the trade and running a business. I can't be in the office. I can't be on site. I can't be doing the invoices and the admin and all that and be doing a good job. So this is where I've got to learn to delegate. So structuring my days and delegating tasks has now allowed me to come to work every day and enjoy what I do because I want to be here, not because I have to be here. So I think you've just got to, you've got to build a team around you to support you and you've got to understand how to delegate tasks to free up time so that you can focus on what you enjoy and get value out of and that's when you really start enjoying your work again and what do you do for to blow off steam what's what do you do when you're not working that's um what about, so i've got a got a place down the beach so to be honest i've got a shed down there and i just like going down there with my partner and our two dogs and just chucking the fishing rod in the water having a beer on the beach taking mm-hmm. the dune buggy over and just switching off from it you know just leave the phone sit behind um, and just go and get outdoors, get some sun, and just spend some time with yeah, spend some time with loved ones. Yeah. Um, are you are you guys struggling to find help right now? Yeah, as in um, employee wise. Yeah. yeah so, like we skilled skilled skilled, skilled labor. Yeah, definitely. Um, last year was a tough one. We. We advertised for probably 12 months before we found someone suitable to our business model. Um, we also had a few few members leave the team last year to go and do their own thing. So we're at a point there where, all right, our, our team's lost a few members. How do we build back up and how do we find the right people? So we invested quite a bit of time into our marketing, our ad campaigns um, to show the type of person that we wanted to come into the business, someone that was obviously passionate about performance homes, um, had a bit of a vision for themselves in the industry and really detailed our avatar on our perfect um, employee down depending on these mm. few things that we listed out. Um, and then things just turned. Like um, we had a tough tough point there. We couldn't find anyone in the last, last two months. We've put on four people and we've got a fifth coming on board um, over the next kind of six weeks as well. And they're all people that we want in the business. All their values align and they're just, they're going to be a good fit. That's a great story. I'm glad to hear there's a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it comes in waves, we're, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, in general, is there a labor shortage in TAS? It's not just labor. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. every single okay. trade in every industry. There's just not enough skilled people. 
and yeah. lead times. Like, just yeah, like customers come in, and uh, most of the time, a lead time will be one to two years minimum for anyone. That's not even a, a high skill team. That's just anyone in the industry. When you say that, you mean your clients are on a waiting list for two years? Pretty well. So we've yeah, we book try and book out two years in advance, uh, but even for the other builders I talk to, everyone's full for that next one to two years. So anyone that's looking to go and build a home now, that's going to be asking around. They're going to be waiting one half to two years before they can get a spot. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of people here that are never going to get their house built, <laughs> but there's not enough builders anymore. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity with lead times, how long are you guys waiting for a set of cabinets right now um, for like a kitchen? We're pretty good because we, we schedule everything in, but you'd probably say three months. Mm, that's Two nice. to three months. Yeah, we wouldn't wait any more than that. That was, that, that was our standard here. Now it's longer, <laughs> but but we're still, that's one of the things that's still a bounce back from COVID production and all that stuff. So um, are you are you still bags on or are you just the boss? No, nah, I would love to be bags on. That's, that's what I got in the industry for, and I absolutely love it. I hate sitting down, getting stiff all day and feeling old. But, um, yeah. nah, this year I think I did one week on the tool setting the house out with one of my project managers, and apart from that, I've been stuck in the chair 90% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the ir- that's the irony of being a business owner. You go into the trades, you're like, and then, yep. then you're back at the desk anyway. Yeah, I got in it because I love <laughs> the physical work. But it- I've been outside, get the sun and the yeah. music, but... It gets to a certain point. I think we were we were a ten man team, and I was still on the tools. I was doing all the office work, doing all the admin, just doing insane hours, and then yeah, just burn out and got to a point where I was like, all right, if I want to work on the business to help people within the business, I've got to get off the tools. Simple as yeah. that. Yeah, makes sense. I think I think that's an eventuality for anyone. Yep. And then, are you happy with all? Are you happy with all your sub trades? Love it. Yep. Are you, ha- you you got solid? Yeah, that's yep. cool. All nice. our direct employees, sub trades, everyone within our team at the moment. I just I just enjoy it. There's no headaches. There's never any anxiety with things going wrong. We catch up mm-hmm. um, twice a month. We're going to the pub for lunch, beers, and team meetings. Went to the races with the boys the other day. Um, we just have a great culture, and everyone turns up excited for work. It's amazing. I like it. Sounds sounds good. I love I love my my team as well. I love building with them. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's been a couple of years and we're just, the communication is very easy now. That's how it's got to be. Very simple. It's got to be like that. You've got to, yeah. I was always a big one for being a control freak and micromanaging my team. But if you don't trust your team, you can never walk away and just let them do their job. At the end of the day, yeah. I'm sitting in the office. They're on the tools every day. They're better than what I am on the tools. So, let them go. Trust them. Yeah, there was a period of time when I was trying to push two crews, two different job sites, two different remodels, and then I had other remodels going on that they weren't involved with, with just my sub trades, and and I was out of my mind. <laughs> and my an older con, an older contractor buddy of mine saw me, and he was just like, "Mike, he's like, just let yep. go, just that's it." It took me a while. It does. It took a while for those work for those words to sink in, but, but yeah, you have to trust, you have to trust their, their uh, skill and their, and their ability to make decisions without you being there. That's it. And as long as they understand the outcome, the way that they get there, that's up to them to decide. So that empowers them as well to feel in control and understand that they've got a bit of, um, I suppose, leadership on their back and the team that's underneath them as well empowers them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but not everybody wants that either. Some people just want to be, some people are just like, give me a task. I'll do it. Like the, I'm a craftsman. Yeah. And I want to tell other people. What That's doing, exactly right. Which I appreciate. Nah, and we, um, we're trying to structure our team at the moment. So we have five crews, um, one project manager, one tradesman, one apprentice. That's, that's our ideal crew for on site. Uh, so which of your personality traits do you think benefit you most as a contractor? Hmm, that's a tough one. I think just my pure love. 
because it is it is it is in the end really when people are choosing between companies it's it, it comes down to who the company is <laughs> as people i think it does and a lot of the time i find that i'm i'm great in the client acquisition phase um and i can build build relationships based on trust and quality with our clients early on um we had a client most recently that I worked with for 14 months via Zoom before I actually met them. Um, and we're about, what are we now, three months into the build. Um, and I've only met them once in person since, flew them down, went out for dinner and did all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they feel like they're my best friends I've known in my entire life. So I think hmm. the relationship building with your, your clientele, that's the most important thing and understanding when they walk in the door that you're there to listen. And you're there to, I suppose, ensure that their values and expectations for the build are managed and that our job is to help them get there. We're just there to assist their dreams, basically, and guide them on the right path. I like it. Uh, what is your favorite sport <laughs> and how does it relate to, to running your business? Sport, that's kind of changed I've gotten older. I was always a mad AFL or Aussie rules footballer growing up and then did a front flip and broke my leg pretty badly. So I kind of walked away from any kind of sport like that. Um, now getting older, it's probably more golf, to be honest. Getting on, playing some golf and having a mm. few beers with the boys and just walking around and having mm. a laugh. Um, so, yeah, that and also we do a bit of um, like um, buggy racing and dirt bike riding and that too. But, yeah bit more dangerous, a bit more, not quite as chilled out. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to get into some just funny, fun kind of questions here. Um, what's the best nickname for a tool you guys have? A tool? God, you put me on the spot there. We've got nicknames for all of our team members in our group chat, which I won't get into because they're not very appropriate, but... <laughs> <laughs> Tool-wise, the, the one that comes right. to my mind is my hammer, the red-headed stepchild. Um, nice. We've also got this one. You more? I know you've always run the Martinez hammers, do you? Yep. Got a gold one made up from the boys. <laughs> nice. But we, yeah, I wouldn't say. Well, I'm probably out of touch with what the boys call their tools on site now. Hmm. Um. What could you care less about today that you were passionate, more passionate about when you were younger? Um, more passionate about when I was younger. Football. <laughs> Something you've just let go of. There you go. There you go. Straight back off the back of the last question. What do you value most? Um... That's a good question. As I've, as I've gotten older, I think my values have definitely changed. Now I'm at the point where I value my family and my team members. I think the people, the people around me, uh, what makes doing what I do worthwhile. Um, and I also value what we're building as a team company wise and the culture. I think that's got to be a big one. Yeah. I like it. I, this is, you know, I, I hear, I hear my words coming out of your mouth and it's something I, you know, first started experiencing, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I really started developing my relationships with, yep. with my subs and really getting personal with people and, and creating friendships too. Cause I used to think it was better to business is business. And Business is business. The money's the money. You got to be straight with each other on that. But, but being personal with each other really matters too. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was your favorite childhood toy? <laughs> childhood toy. Jesus. I, depending what age. Um, I always just like motorbike riding. So there's nothing better than getting on the motorbike or going for mm. a bit of a burn. Um, yep. That and yeah, to be honest, probably that. Like, did a lot of that growing up. And then a bit mm -hmm. of Xbox. I think everyone went through the Who? Xbox stage. Put a few hours in on that thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we all had our video game yeah. phase. 
Um, who who's your mentor? Mentor. So I work with a couple actually. So I'm with a full time business coach uh, called Mick Hawes, um, Builders Business Black Belt. So that's a course that I probably spend three to four hours a week with on Zoom, and then we have additional activities, um, which obviously help build our business from the ground up in the right order. Um, another great mentor in the Australian construction industry is Dwayne Pierce and Live Life Build. Not sure if you've seen them on Instagram, but definitely jump around him. So his, his vision for the building industry, I suppose, is to educate builders on how to run a business and how to enjoy life while running a business. Um, yeah, so he, he's been a great influence. Him and Mick, they're probably the big two. And then I think, like my team, um, Sean Buchanan, Tassie Builders blog. Uh, for anyone that's interested in getting around building science on Instagram, follow him. We'll chuck a link up to him after, but he's my best mate and one of my project managers. So we bounce off each other 24-7, seven days a week. He's basically he's me missus. <laughs> so he's been good. We just continually push at each other and we just we just grow together. It's been excellent. So I'd, I'd class him as a mentor as well. Cool. So in the end, what do you want your legacy legacy to be as a builder? Legacy as a builder. So I think we just want to create, I suppose my vision is to create a company that is known for a process that delivers a successful outcome, gives the ultimate client customer satisfaction and builds premium homes that not only look good, but they perform well and are healthy to live in. So it's a, it's a compromise of, well, sorry, we, you never compromise on the quality. The quality is a minimum standard that everyone should be doing, but the performance aspects of the home is something we want to implement to a level that reflects our vision for the brand and what we believe in in the industry. Yeah, man. You're stay, you stay on message. You are on point. <laughs> I like it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> we don't compromise. Yeah. There's a, um, yeah. yeah. Okay, what's your favorite tool? Favorite? Oh, this is a good one. So I haven't got to use it much because I've been kicked off for tools, but um, and I hate tying steel, but one of those Max tie tie guns, the rebar tie guns, wow. they are just a time saver. Like we do a. Little... I haven't. I, I haven't gotten to play with one of those yet, but they look. Cool. Yeah, I obviously love me hammer. Like there's nothing better than swinging a hammer and driving a nail. I think that's the best feeling in the industry, but. Yeah, for, for tools and how things work and save time, we're going from obviously nip tie and steel um, to get one of these tie guns, and they are just quick. What about the most useful tool? The most useful tool. So this is actually a new tool. So about five months ago, we invested in um, a PLT Hilti layout station. So it's what it is, it's a, it's a tool that you station on site you upload the drawings and then you walk around the site with an iPad and a tripod and you can lay out any control line on the building um, through its self-locating. So that's probably the coolest tool we've got at the moment and we've only just, well, mm. we're on our second project with it now and, yeah, 2,000 square metre block and the boys can walk around any gradient and pinpoint to a millimetre any point on the house. So awesome tool. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Game changer. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. I mean, you think about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, and you're still stringing yep. and batter boards yep. and big staggered profiles down the steep blocks. Pound stuff into the. Oh, yeah. yeah. Moving it just a Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. The where have you been on my life tool? The where? That would have to be the same tool. It would have to be the set out one. We did some um, quite difficult builds. Over the last couple of years where I'd be driving down the block, standing on the top of my roof racks, trying to get a profile up here and building benches down the hill and pulling strings. So um, I think that tool is just an absolute time saver. Like one bloke can set an entire house out. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that, and the, that and the tie <laughs> machine, the, the unit, those are those are great tools. Yeah. Time savers, um, yeah. Massive game changers for... Yeah. Um, a big outlay initially, um, which was quite daunting, but 
once you use it, you'll never ever go backwards. Okay, best job site snacks. <laughs> job site snacks. Well, it's changed. A couple of years ago, we would have been on the energy drinks and the monsters, but then we all got out of that phase and we're <laughs> early 20s. So it's probably the old KFC uh, run, I reckon, of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm. The boys don't mind a bit of a, right. bit of a lunch run. Um, best job site jams? Job site jams. Um, we had one last year, tools down by the presets. Um, every time mm. Smoko or lunch popped up, I'll just turn the radio up and pump that one through and everyone would know it's time to bring it in. So that was that was probably a bit more of an iconic one for the boys. Who's your favourite musician? Oh, favourite musician. I've got heaps. I listen to lots of different um, kinds of music. I'm a big metal fan, so I don't know if they're mm. my favourite, but me and my partner actually go and see Ramstein this year in Spain, so... Mm. We'll, um, we'll go with Ramstein, the band. Okay. I already asked you what my previous guest was going to ask by asking you what, how, how you got into trades. I'll, but I'll, I'll do this. Was it a specific event that got you into trades? It was. It was, it was the guy down the street. Yeah, I think it was the it fact was the, that... Um, so I was in the supermarket and I did the Sunday shift for 10 years straight. So even when I was running my building business, um, I was still in the supermarket knocking the Sundays out for a portion of time. Mm. It was sitting in there on the 30 degree days in summer when the builders were coming in their shorts and singlets and they were outside in the sun working hard. Um, I think that was the initial attraction for me just to get outside and do something hands on. Yeah. I, you know, the first five years I had, I was a contractor. I also did like three different things at the same time just to, cause I wasn't quite, I didn't have my mind quite made up to be a businessman, which I'm really glad I did. Um, what question, what question would you ask another contractor, another guest on my show? What would I ask him? Um, I suppose where, where do you find the most value in personal development? So for me, I found the turning points were getting a business coach or a life coach and then getting back into reading hard copy books, believe it or not. So I went away from reading books for probably oh, 10 plus years. And now it's just part of my routine. Every night I'll read a book for between half an hour and an hour. And I'll just highlight key points out of it and summarize every book. And that will go into something that I build my day-to-day -day life off um, so yeah, how, how did you change your mindset and what kind of personal developments really taken you to the next level as a builder and a business owner and as a person in general? What book are you reading or what book should we all read? I have a big list. Um, I'm currently on what is your why by Simon Sinek. Um, uh, he's a, he's a great one. I just listened. I just listened to a, a podcast with with him, Brene something, Simon, and uh, forgetting the other guy's name. Anyway, it was really good. Yeah. Simon Sinek. Yeah, Simon Sinek. I think anything that he's got in the market is going to really help you understand yourself and understand others. Um, once mm. you understand how people think and why you think a certain way, it's going to allow you to approach situations in a way that's going to ensure a positive outcome. So I think, yeah, that the basic knowledge and the objectives of his books are super beneficial. Great. Thanks. I'll put that put on my on list. list. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got I've got stacks. I've also got a fair number of, of books that are unfinished. So <laughs> it's hard, yeah. <laughs> some, you gotta keep they gotta keep me. They gotta keep me. Yep. Once I lose interest, it just it just piles yeah, up. I've been there before. <clears throat> okay. Now, this is the point in the podcast when I ask <laughs> you, or would you recommend that your friends and audience write a five star review for this podcast? Oh, definitely. <clears throat> few few of my mates actually already listened to it, so they're already on the right track there. 
All right. That's iTunes if you got an iPhone and Podchaser if you're on Android. iTunes and Podchaser. Um, and and uh, is there is it before we go? Is there anyone <laughs> you want to give a shout out to today? Um, there's a lot. <laughs> nah, obviously, big shout out to blokes like yourself um, in the industry that are just getting online and talking to other contractors to help educate people um, they're in the situation that I was two years ago. If I hadn't uh, jumped on to um, these kind of podcasts, I still would have felt alone in the industry and not like I was, I suppose, supported and that everyone actually goes through the same thing. It's just a matter of when you find the guidance and how you accept it as a person. Um, shout out wise, so yeah, all the, all the boys in the industry that are doing the podcast and helping other builders along the way, that's a big one. Um, my team, so all my direct employees, my family, my support around me, my inner circle, I suppose, they're the people that um, help the vision, help the dream come to life. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, I appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Artazis to Oz as Alaskans are to the US. Like, do you guys think that you're better, smarter, different, nah. not Aussie? No. no. We're like the subhumans. <laughs> so we're we're that little island that sits underneath and everyone goes, when we go to the mainland, they go, show us your scar. They like because they make this <laughs> joke that they say you're all inbred down there and you should have two heads. <laughs> oh. So that's the one we cop, mate. So, but they also know that all the builders that come out of Tassie are superior tradesmen because we do everything. Whereas on the mainland, they they contract. So we, um, I always did all my own concreting, roofing, tiling, framing, hung my own plaster. Like we can do pretty well everything down here. Yeah. In in Alaska, I'm gonna say that. Guys from Fairbanks from my from my town are known for the same.